Hi friends, welcome back again to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If you're here for the first time, then why not click on the subscribe button and make the decision to make the study of the Word of God part of the rhythm of your daily life. Now, if you are here for the first time, the entire back catalogue of these podcasts is hosted on the Buzzsprout website, which is at thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com. You'll not only find links there to the whole back catalogue of everything we've done, but also other ways within which you can connect with the ministry and my teaching also. But I'll explain more of that at the end. But for now, let's just continue back in the main text and we're in season three and we're working together through the Gospel of Matthew. And we've reached the point where today we're rounding off Jesus' teaching on whether we should swear and take oaths or not. Now we finished off last time with this Jesus making this statement, do not swear. And I know that sounds pretty absolute, doesn't it? Well, it may indeed be an absolute statement, but that doesn't mean it's a statement that will always have a universal application. Let me explain. I'm going to give you the reasons that I think that we can approach this as an absolute statement, but still at the same time means that we can approach it in the correct way that God intended because I believe the case that the statement is absolute, but it doesn't mean that God wants to universally apply it. So let's just read the little section of scripture we've been covering so far again. But I tell you, so this is Jesus speaking here, do not swear an oath, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the king. And do not swear, by your own head, for you cannot make even one hair turn white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. So you notice he says do not swear, but then immediately gives examples of type of swearing and oaths that people take. Now, within Jesus' statement and his explanation of it, He's actually quoting phrases and passages that nearly everything said here comes from the Old Testament. Now, rather than looking at all of them going word by word through the verse, I'm going just to cite a few. Isaiah 66, for example, says, Heaven is my throne and earth my footstool. Where is the house that you have built for me? Or Psalm 8, which refers to Jerusalem as the great city of the king. And Psalm 48 talks about Jerusalem being the place of the temple and that's where the very presence of God calls and in that psalm it's called the city of God as king. So the point being made here is that any object or any place, anything by which a man or a woman can swear, Jesus is saying, is so inseparable from the God who created it and indwells it that when we swear by those things we're just swearing by God anyway. And that even goes down to your own head. And you'll notice in this passage, he says, don't swear by your own head because you cannot even make one hair turning black or stop it from going white. To swear by our own head is the same, in a sense, by swearing on your own life. 
So to say it another way, it's by doing that, you're saying something like, well, the ramifications of it are by saying it that is, I will forfeit my life if I'm not telling the truth. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. For a start, it's frivolous and you're just skirting the issue. In fact, you're using and abusing the name of God to try and back up what you're saying, whatever way you approach it. I wonder if you ever heard anyone say, I swear on my mother's grave or my children's grave. That's an exact modern parallel to what Jesus is talking about here and what was going on in those days. To swear on your own head meant to swear on your own life. And Jesus is saying in the case and the interpretation of the Pharisees at that time, they were saying that all this type of swearing wasn't even binding. So Jesus is simply saying, don't do any of that kind of stuff. Don't use references to God. Don't take oaths in everyday conversations. Jesus saying, you may think and you may be being taught that it's not binding, but I'm saying to you, don't do that because everything that comes out of your mouth is. So although the principle is absolute, It does not mean it is necessarily universal that applies in all occasions because Jesus gives examples of the type of wrong type of oath taking which suggests there may be situations where it is appropriate. I hope you'd see the difference. The difference between something being absolute and the fact that something being universal. So the absolute truth can be there but obviously if it's talking specifically about the use of oaths in a frivolous and an everyday conversation, then it's not universal. It's only absolute when it's applied in the wrong situation. So it's not saying you cannot take an oath ever in any circumstances at any time. So here's my conclusion. The answer to the question I began with when we started looking at this yesterday, that I believe if you're in court, and your example up for service or you're there as a witness to make a statement, you can take an oath and that is not a violation of this passage of scripture. Now this interpretation I'm giving to this passage, I know others hold different views, but it is one that has been used and agreed upon by most Christians for generations. So I'm not alone in giving this interpretation of this passage and I'm not also trying to condemn other people who have a different perspective on it. But I do believe this is the correct interpretation of this passage. I'm going to read you a couple of statements about what people have said about this passage down the years. They're all from respected commentators. The references are in the in the transcript contained within the episode notes of the podcast. And all these statements have been made by respected commentators over a span of the last couple of hundred years. One said this, Evidently, it is swearing in common conversation and on frivolous occasions that is being discussed here. Another said, It is the practice of swearing in common conversation, especially the swearing by created things that is being condemned here. And another says, The foolish and wicked habit of swearing in private conversation or swearing on every occasion and by everything is the thing that Jesus condemns here. And finally another said, the Lord here is condemning the light taking of an oath or entering into a pledge or a promise with someone frivolously. So swearing 
and taking an oath where no oath is necessary is what is being talked about here. Also what is sometimes referred to as evasive swearing where people deliberately use an oath or leave out the name of God in the oath as was being done here so that the oath would appear valid is what has been talked about here. So I just want to summarize in a sense and say by making three main points. I hope what I've said is clear enough and I'm going to do it with three bullet points. Bullet point number one is yes you can take an oath. I want to make it clear taking an oath is not I believe is not a violation of what Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount. Or to say it another way, it is all right to take an oath if the oath is the right type of oath in the right type of circumstances. So our problem is not the taking of the oath. The problem is either taking the oath to cover the truth, then not using that to tell the truth. So the point is you can take an oath, swearing that you're telling the truth, providing you're telling the truth. And if you don't do that, The government calls that perjury, and there's a penalty for that. But if you do that, God calls it a sin, and there's also a penalty for that. But thankfully, that penalty has been paid by those who've accepted Jesus Christ as the one who saves them when they fall short on this and any other occasion. But the point is, you can take an oath, but of course, you should tell the truth. Second point is, don't take an oath frivolously. Let me suggest what I think Jesus is really doing here is arguing that you should not take an oath in everyday conversation frivolously and you certainly shouldn't swear on your own life or the life of your wife or your children because that is totally inappropriate according to what Jesus is saying here. And finally, big one is let me suggest that you should never take an oath in order to deceive people. You shouldn't take an oath knowing that you're using it to simply deceive someone. My all-time favorite example of this deception, which is, you know, a light one but humorous, is a friend of my mother's many years ago who used to deceive her husband. You see, what she'd do, when she bought a dress, she would always put it in the back of a wardrobe for a month before wearing it. So when she wore it for the first time, if her husband asked her, is that a new dress you've got? She'd say, no, I had an ages. So she wasn't technically telling a lie, but she was being deceptive. All right, we've looked at the command and we've talked about how Moses received this command and then how he interpreted it in the Mosaic law. And then we've talked about how the scribes and Pharisees abused this command And we've looked at the clarification that Jesus gives the people here to help understand how it really was applied and should still be applied. And the clarification is that Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't take an oath under any circumstances, but he's saying you should not take oaths frivolously or use them deceptively. In fact, if you look in the scripture, God himself swears by an oath in the book of Hebrews. Paul took an oath on several occasions. Jesus himself was put under oath by Caiaphas at his trial. So this is not talking about all oaths in all situations. 
It is these clarifications that you should not take an oath in everyday conversation or use them frivolously or to deceive people. Is the entire point that Jesus is making. And what's the natural conclusion of what he says? How does he conclude? Well, look again at verse 37. It sums it all up for us. He says, all you need to say is simply that your yes is yes or your no is no. And he actually adds, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So the conclusion of all this is just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't need to pad it out in everyday conversation. You don't need to add anything to that. Uh, Just affirm that you tell the truth. And you know what? We should be telling the truth anyway. Don't ever add anything to a statement or make an oath because that's superfluous to the fact. As a matter of fact, adding something will never, ever make a statement truer. And you can't make a false statement true either by taking an oath on it. So why do it? Why try and add to it? In ordinary, everyday conversation, just state the truth. I think another point that this verse is making is that if your yes is yes then your, and your no is no, then anything that is added to that is coming from the evil one in the sense because it's trying to twist the context. You see, within the context of what Jesus has just taught, anything that you're adding to a plain, truthful statement must in some degree be either frivolous or as an attempt to persuade or even deceive people into the matter that what you said is correct. And you don't need that. So if you're doing that, it's coming from the devil. And that gets to the very heart of the matter of what Jesus is teaching about here. You know, in John chapter 14, Jesus is recorded of saying, I am the truth. He said in John chapter 17, also how God's word is truth. So if we... As Christians who claim to be following him, the one who said, I am the truth, ought not we to be telling the truth in everything we say and do? And anything other that we try and add on to that is not of him, because he is the truth. And if we're trying to add things on to the truth, to pad it out, to expand it, to twist its meaning, then those add-ons must come from the father of lies and deceptions himself, the evil one. You see, the point we're getting right back to is the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, the point of what real righteousness is. The heart of Jesus' teaching here and throughout these entire three chapters that we'll be looking at is all about looking at what real righteousness is, which we're being taught is internal righteousness and of course truthful people will tell the truth whether they're under oath or not we as believers don't tell the truth because we've taken an oath we tell the truth because it is truthful and it points to the one who is truth and that's the point that jesus is making in this passage Clement of Alexander, a very ancient Christian author, he wrote that Christians should lead such a life and demonstrate such a moral character that no one would even dream of asking them to take an oath anyway because you could take what they said plainly at face value as true. We do not need to keep making frivolous statements or take oaths to back up anything we say if everything we say is the truth.
true righteousness does not need any form of man-made external guarantee. True righteousness doesn't need any additional oaths padlocking to it. Because you certainly can't add anything to what you say. And the danger is that if you try and do that, it just becomes frivolous or deceptive anyway. The Pharisees at that time thought, just as long as your conduct appeared right, then your righteousness was okay, all was okay. And they've got to the point where they'd say, well, I didn't swear by God, therefore what I promised, what I said wasn't binding. I just swore by my own head, and that means nothing. That didn't break the commandment. And what Jesus is saying here, that which comes out of your mouth originates in your heart, and therefore your heart needs to be truthful which is the core of true righteousness. So Jesus again is teaching that true righteousness is not about something that you do or you say, it's about something that you are, who you are. This is not a plea by Jesus to do better. It is a plea by Jesus for us to be better. It's to say in your heart, you know what? I will follow him. I am following him because he is the way, the truth, and the life and I'm also going to be all about living a way that is about truth in my life also and that's what this passage I believe is really about and that is what I believe the Sermon of the Mount is really about that our righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of people who are only doing things for religiously reasons so all this stuff it's not really about murder or anger, or adultery, or lust and divorce. It's about how we live out through these moral things by who we are on the inside. This teaching by Jesus is not really about taking an oath. It's about people being deliberately deceptive or frivolous. Some people then as today, well, there's actually people today who think it's okay to lie all the time if you don't get caught. But even worse than that are some religious people who say it's okay to lie unless you're under oath, which means they are using God and manipulating God's word to deceive and manipulate people. And Jesus says, don't do that, never do that, don't do that, don't lie under oath. In fact, much more than that, don't do any of that in any circumstances. So here's what we need to do. We simply have this teaching applied in our life. We simply need to decide with God's help to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing under truth. And do it when you're under oath and when you're not under oath. Even when you're just speaking outside every day. One of the first things I did as a young teenager when I became a Christian was I immediately stopped swearing. Now, I struggled for a while. I wondered how I was going to do that because swearing had become such a currency of my everyday speech. I was also beginning to be worried how I might be able to control my tongue around my parents when I was beginning to swear so much, so naturally. But the point, at about 11 or 12 years old when I became a believer who personally trusted in Christ. You know what? One of the things he did for me, he changed my heart and I stopped swearing. I turned on a dime, as they say. 
And I think that's not only to a great testimony to this truth of this teaching, but the fact that the Holy Spirit enables one to achieve this internal righteousness as a gift to us. I could not believe I could change that one area of my life so radically by simply making a decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life and to become a disciple of him. So my prayer and my, my hope is that everyone together, as we've studied this passage today and yesterday, know that they need to stop swearing. They need to stop doing it frivolously, just the use of bad language, or the calling in of oaths and promises and swears to try and add on to what should just be the plain truth, and also to stop swearing deceptively. But you know what? Beyond even that... All we have to do to follow and apply this in our lives as disciples of this teaching is simply to tell the truth in every situation and in all circumstances. And we can rely on God to help us do that. Okay, folks, there we go. That's it for that little section closed off today. I do hope you find it helpful. And tomorrow we'll close off this this chapter of the Sermon of the Mount by looking at how we should uh, respond really to insults and to when people treat us unjustly and unfairly. See what Jesus has to tell us about that. I'm sure we'll find that really helpful as well. Now, if you are finding this helpful and this commitment that you've made, along with many others, to work through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, then why not consider sharing links to this or liking it on the social media accounts that you use? Because then people, I'm told that more and more people will have the opportunity to see this and maybe make the decision to make the study of the Word of God an important part of their lives also. But friends, the most important thing I want to say is thank you for making the decision make the study of the Bible, not just the reading of the Bible, the study of the Bible, part of the rhythm of your daily life for what I believe will be probably another five years or maybe slightly more than that. What an amazing journey it'll be together for me and I trust for you if God allows and gives me the time to see this through to its fruition. But I'll just close off at that point and say that's it for today. And I do hope I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Well, it'll be tomorrow for me, but whatever day it is for you, as I welcome you back again to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.